You're listening to Teach Me the Bible podcast, where we unpack the meaning of books, passages, and themes from Scripture. Join us each week as our guests walk us through the truth of God's Word and teach us the Bible. This is Teach Me the Bible podcast. All right, welcome everybody. We're back for another session of Teach Me the Bible. David, it's good to have you back in here. I'm excited to just kind of hear what what is in store for us today, really. Um, I think we're going to be talking about the story of Scripture and the story of the Bible. And what does that mean? And, you know, many of us, we think, well, this is just this hard book to understand. Or you mentioned a reference earlier of like, you read it this way, and that's why it's difficult to understand. So thanks for joining us. Uh, tell us a little bit. And let's just dive right in. What, what does that mean, the story of the Bible? What is, so, so it's interesting what's happened throughout, uh, throughout church history. I think we've come to a place in the church where we're basically, uh, many of us who even grew up in church are Bible illiterate. We don't know yeah. the story of Scripture. We may know the stories that we were taught, you know, uh, the, the story of Noah and the flood and the ark and the little, you know. <laughs> Um, or, yeah. or the, that David killed Goliath or, uh, you know, that Jesus walked on the water or healed the blind guy. No. Where did he heal the blind? I don't know. Which gospel is that in? I don't know. Yeah. How does that, I don't know. But you know the story. But, yeah. But we know stories, mm-hmm. um, but we don't know the story. Uh, we know doctrines, or at least we argue over doctrines, but we don't know where we got those doctrines from. And so, one of the things I've tried to do uh, is to make it really simple, not simple for the students, but simple for me so I can understand it. And so one of the, the things that I've uh, done is uh, I've become a, 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 an authority on Dr. Seuss. I say authority because uh, all that means is you're <laughs> a leading scholar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, yeah. A leading, I'm a leading scholar on Dr. Seuss <laughs> and how the Grinch stole Christmas. Yeah. Uh, because uh, if we understand how stories work at a basic level, then we can see how stories work at a more general level. And, and this is how all stories work. I don't care if it's a movie, if it's a ancient Near Eastern story, Gilgamesh epic, something like that, some, you know, highly technical ancient mm. Near Eastern background deal or veggie tales, right? Stories are stories and stories right. have characters and stories have a problem that one of the characters has to deal with or maybe several of the characters have to deal with. And so that's what we mean by the main character, right? The main character, you know, when I ask students, what's, a, what's the main character or who is the main character? How can you tell the main character of the story? They say, well, the title of the book has the main character. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Easy, basically. Oh, yeah. The story's about them. Well, that's true. But how is the story about them? And this is mm. important when we get to the Bible because um, uh, the, the main character in every story, the, we, we have what we call plot. It's just, you know... Uh, Plot is something that we've recognized all stories have. And so we said, you know, there's a problem in every story that's told. What are we going to call that? Well, okay, well, let's call it plot. Okay. Uh, there's a, there's somebody and something happens to them. And the rest of the story is them dealing with what happened, the problem that walks into their life. So, so we start with the reality before the problem, or we call that the setting. And then there's a problem. And then the rest of the story deals with the problem. And, and as we watch the main character deal with the problem, that's how we find out what is the moral of the story. Uh, does 
does their approach work or does it fail? If they succeed, we, you know, we said, oh, that's a good story. Or, or uh, we, we use fancy terms now. That's a literary comedy, not in a funny, funny sense, <laughs> yes. but in the, it's a good ending good sense ending. or it's a tragedy, mm-hmm. right? And, mm-hmm. and so you can learn uh, from, from the main character who fails and don't go down that trail of how they tried to address the problem. And so, so this is just how all stories work. And, and, uh, and this is how the Bible set up, right? Uh, the yeah. Bible's a story. Um, but we go so wrong so quickly. Um, I remember years ago, me and another, this is seminary professor talk, right? You think we're talking about some high technical stuff. Uh, we're (laughs) sitting there and we're talking about, we're at a conference where all of these theological papers and highly technical stuff is being, and we're sitting outside talking about, uh, we came to the realization that God is the main character of the story. And there were, you know, kind of a large group of folks around listening to what we were talking about. And, and I think they, they thought, well, duh, you idiots. Of course, God's the main <laughs> character of the story. No, no, no. Literarily, uh, that, that the setting in chapters one and chapter two of the Bible, uh, God creates this, you know, perfect creation and he creates all the animals. He fills the heaven. He creates the heavens and the earth and the sea and he fills the heavens and the earth and the sea. And then he makes, uh, this man and this man is to rule this creation according to his desires. And the man says, I'm not doing it. Now, who has the problem? Well, the problem is God's problem. Yeah. Uh, that this created being and creation has rebelled against him. And so how is God going to respond to fix the problem? And this is the rest of the story. Uh, and so the story is not about me. It certainly affects me. It's not about you. It, it certainly affects you. It affects us all. Um, but the Bible was written to explain to us how God has responded to this problem, the problem that we live in, this reality that we, uh, we exist in, and how he's going to fix it. And he's going to fix it through his son. And so every single part of this story is about that. Now, every, that, that means that every part of the story informs us and relates to us, but it's not about us. And we aren't any of the characters in the story, no more than you're a, a character in Star Wars. Um, and, uh, you know, Luke's, uh, Luke Sky, I'm not Luke Skywalker. Darth Vader is not my father. to think that i am moses is just as absurd yeah Uh, or i am david somehow or i can slay giants um i doubt it and that's that whole place yourself in the story concept right makes you feel good and maybe it helps you understand but yeah it's not about but but what happens then is is you come away with false false promises Mm -hmm. you think that god has made these promises to you instead of god making his promises to them uh, so when the Lord says to Abram, for example, a- Abram, see, see, Abram, whose name becomes Abraham, is the carrier of this promised seed of the one who's going to come and fix the problem. If he doesn't have a son to carry on the line, the story's over, right? Yeah. And so when the Lord says to Abraham, I am your shield, I will protect you. 
what that means in the Hebrew Old Testament is, I am your shield. I will protect you. <laughs> Imagine that. Yeah. <laughs> it wow. doesn't translate any differently. <laughs> Does that mean that the Lord is my shield and he will protect me? Well, in a very different way. He will, perfect, uh, he will protect me eternally because I place my faith in Christ. But that's not what he's saying to Abram then and there. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah. so we've, we've come to a place where we know doctrines or we know some, something we believe, but we've taken verses out of context. We've taken the story out of context, or we haven't even recognized it is a story. Uh, and then we say, well, man, this is hard to understand. Well, of course it is. If you tried to... Uh, you know, if every scene of of Star Wars, since we started that, uh, you, you tried to stop, you know, push pause and say, OK, now, uh, what can I learn from this, you know, since I'm Luke Skywalker? Well, you're not Luke Skywalker. And, you know, maybe the force is not very strong with maybe, you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't you take it to this, heart. Yeah. This relates, you know, uh, we can get ourselves in very quick uh uh, quick trouble thinking that we are someone we're not, or we have promises we don't. Uh, years ago, there was a book we had uh, in the house, and it was called God's Little Promise Book. Mm-hmm. And as I, I have come to increasingly realize that none of those promises in that book were given to me. Yeah. They relate to me in various ways, but they weren't given to me. Um, they weren't even given to most of the people back then. So take, hmm. for example, the David and Goliath story, right? I think we've failed to remember uh, that David, uh, this is in 1 Samuel chapter 16, was the Lord's anointed. That the Lord had removed the anointing from Saul, the king, mm-hmm. who was chosen to fight the battles for Israel. Uh, we want a king like the other nations to fight our battles for us. And of course, that's what the Lord was doing for Israel. The Lord was fighting their battles. Yeah. He said, no, no, we don't want the Lord to fight. We want a king like the other nations to fight our battles for us. And so they go into a battle and, and uh, the Philistines say, choose one man from among yourself, right? Mm-hmm. The narrator might, might as well have said, hey, Saul, you're up. Yeah, come on. <laughs> your turn. <laughs> Strap your on your stuff. That's See, it. but here's the problem. The Lord had reno- uh, removed the Lord's anointing. Uh, from Saul and placed it on David. Mm-hmm. Saul says, I ain't going out there. Mm-hmm. Why? I'm not dumb. This is how I die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not yeah. going out there. <laughs> and here in walks David, the Lord's anointed, right? Uh, could any other little Jewish boy have walked out there? I don't think so. Because the story's about the anointed one. Mm-hmm. And so he walks in, he says, who is this, that the that this Philistine uh, would rebel against this uncircumcised one, would mm-hmm. rebel against the, the God of Israel. Let me add him, right? And of course, there's so much Old Testament background and imagery yeah. and, and stuff that's flowing into this story. And, and, and so I tell students, look, if you just have to put yourself in that story somewhere, you can play the role of one of the other Israelites who is shaking for fear in the tent. Okay? But you're not the I'm one sorry. who's going to walk out there and face Goliath. Uh, and David is a type of the one who will walk out there and face the ultimate, not seed of the serpent, not the, uh, not Goliath, uh, but strike down Satan himself. Right. Yeah. So, so we, our deliverance comes from the anointed one, it, just as back then they were delivered from the hands of the enemy through their anointed King David. So also we will be right. So the yeah. story wasn't even about the Israelite then and there. And so because we've lost story, 
right? Um, uh, we place ourselves in the story and we find ourselves trying to claim things that no one else could do, right? Another example, just a, a few chapters later, you get into David and Bathsheba. Uh, and, and if you committed adultery in Israel, you died. They hauled you down to the city gate. Uh, the evidence was heard by the elders and you were stoned to death. Wow. And so wow. I've heard this, uh, this story uh, preached as an illustration or taught as an illustration that, that sin will ruin your future or, you know, it will has, has left lasting effects. Not for the Israelite. Uh, adultery didn't ruin your future. It ended it your ended future. Yeah. There was no future for mm-hmm. you. And that was true of everyone in Israel except the king. Hmm. No one touches the Lord's anointed except the king. Yeah, it's, you don't just haul the king down in front of the elders and stone him to death, right? Um, no, if you're a king, a prophet shows up. <laughs> so when you get the yeah. knock at the door <laughs> and you're a prophet, uh, and you, you, a prophet shows up at the, and you're the king, this is not going to be a good day for you, right? Uh, and so we just stick ourselves in the story and then get very bad interpretation and very bad application from it. Yeah. Right? Um, uh, actually, just to finish that a little bit. So Nathan shows up. Nathan the prophet shows up and tells a story to David about the theft of a ewe lamb, a rich man and a poor man and the theft of a ewe lamb, and, and ask him a question straight out of the law. What should happen because of the theft of this ewe lamb? And David answers correctly, this is a son of death. And he has to repay threefold mm. for the theft, threefold, right? And so the story continues. Now, David is the carrier of the seed. Remember, Abram was the carrier of the seed. And now, so you've tracked this promise from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to Judah, down through the genealogy, through the book of Ruth, through Boaz, through you know, Obed and Boaz, mm-hmm. through Jesse, and now to David. And David's the carrier of the promise. Second Samuel 7, the Davidic covenant is given to David. And David's got to have a son. And here's the problem. What he has done is worthy of death. Yeah. Threefold. And you're going to watch three of David's sons die in the story. David and Bathsheba's son dies. Uh, and then, I'm sorry, fourfold. It's fourfold. Then Amnon and Absalom die. And then Adonijah, right? One, two, three, four. And now the story turns to Solomon. And if you follow me as your father David did, then I will make my covenant with you. And he doesn't. Yeah. And so now we're yeah. going back to David. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, and so this is how story works. God is faithful to bring forth his promised deliverer. And if he was faithful to them then and there, won't he be faithful to us here and now? But we have to know what he's, what promises he's made to us that are distinct from what promises he's made to them. So this is how story works. And this is how understanding the story uh, is, is helpful. There was a time in our church history where I think most people knew the story yeah. at a story level. And so mm-hmm. pastors and preachers and teachers could focus in and say, do you see what's going on here? Do you see this principle here or this big idea or main theme or theological issue? Um, but what we've done is we've turned it into nothing but applications and theological issues and that type of thing. And we've lost the story. And so it's time for us to get back to the story, to reestablish our basis our roots so that our foundation so that we can understand it well yeah i think that's why we see a lot of wandering and all this confusion and like 
like you talk about, we make it about us and it's easy to mess it up, right? Because <laughs> we've seen throughout the story, big, big story here that that happened consistently and constantly, you yes. know, and, and you're talking story and then anybody listening, like that doesn't diminish scripture at all. Like, actually, I think it, it emphasizes, oh, maximizes yeah. it to an extent because you're, you're talking about references and as I'm listening, I'm like, oh, I know what's coming. Oh, okay, I know this, I know that. And we're going to get to those kind of things. Yeah, we, we, um, we orient the stories, plural, into that's the right. story, singular, and then you see how they fit. That's right, yeah. And, and that gives us clear understanding of what that scene, think of scenes in a movie, mm-hmm. what that scene is doing and how that scene moves the plot. That's right. And, and how it's almost the like scene a setup. Yeah. moving the plot reveals more about the main character. That's right. And the main character's resolve. Um, who is God in the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, it's so helpful. And, and all of a sudden, uh, you go from saying, this is, this is hard to understand to wait a second. Th- this makes sense. The struggle is we've got to set aside our approach that we have learned, our applicational life verse. This verse speaks to me. This verse is for me. This verse. <laughs> I can do all things. Yeah. I can do all things. Yeah. This verse is, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, I'm going to put it on my refrigerator. I'm going to hang it in my, uh, over my fireplace or in the entry hall mm-hmm. and ask for me in my house. We will serve, serve the, Lord the Lord this type yeah. of thing and be strong and courageous, you know. And, and so should the believers be strong and courageous? Yes. Is, um, is that what's going on in Joshua? Um, no. Be strong and courageous. Don't veer from the right or the left of the, of the instruction that was given in Deuteronomy right. so that they can take the land. You're not taking any land. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> you can be as strong and courageous as you want. You go walk on somebody else's property, march around their house seven times and see if they flee or luck. fall down. I mean, it's just not going to work. Right? In this area, it won't go very well. Right? Yeah. But, but, but should we be strong? Yes. All believers should be strong and courageous throughout all the ages. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but the context within which those words are said are very specific. Uh, and and we've got a different uh, place in the story. Yeah. So so uh, I'm gonna I'm play dumb here and ask a question. I know the answer to, but for anyone listening who's not familiar with church history and like, wait, wait, you're talking about a story, but they're broken up, and like you just mentioned a book within this, and like, what does that mean? So I'll say it, phrase it as this: Why do they have different books of the Bible then, if it's one big story? Yeah. So so that, that's a great question. So the story begins. Uh, with the creation, uh, but the narrator, the, the storyteller, Moses, uh, he is much further. He's after creation. So the question is, uh, why is Moses writing this story and who's he writing it to and why mm-hmm. does it matter to them? Right. Uh, and so Moses has shown up uh, to deliver these people, uh, these Israelites, these descendants of Israel, and you're going, well, who's Israel? Well, yeah, yeah, that was Jacob. Jacob, who's Jacob? Well, <laughs> you know, remember Jacob, he was a, mm-hmm. one of the two sons of Isaac. Isaac, who's Isaac? Isaac, yeah, Isaac. Isaac was the son of Abraham. Remember the son of who, mm-hmm. Abraham? Who's, well, his name wasn't Abraham. It was Abram. Mm-hmm. And, and, and well, who's Abram? Well, well, you got to go. And so you go back to a genealogy and he goes back and, back and, and he back, goes back. Yeah. See, this is the story you need to know. Mm-hmm. See, the reason why there is an Israel and why Israel matters is because these are the people who are carrying the promise of the seed singular who's going to come and fix all of creation. Yeah. 
So let me go back and tell you about creation. Let me tell you about the fall. Let me tell you about the genealogical line that got us to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob and, and their lives and how they learned to walk by faith in their position because their position is our position, Israel. And so mm. we're going to deliver you out of Egypt. So Moses comes and he's telling this story. And so we're taking you to the promised land, the land of promise. What promise? Yeah, the, the land promised back to so <laughs> All of this is requires prior knowledge. And so as the yeah. story builds, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and Joshua, and Judges, the story is building. And then all of those other books, the the prophetic books, the poetic books, Hmm. they all orient themselves in light of the story. Now, none of us are Israelites, and we're not in the Old Testament. But the person of Christ, the promise of Christ, wasn't just for Israel. It was given to all of Adam and and Eve's uh, descendants, Hmm. of which we are one. Yeah. And so the promise of Messiah was given to Israel, but it was for all. Uh, so when the Lord says to Abram, in you all the families of the earth will be blessed, that's what he's talking about. Yeah. Right? And so the one who brings the blessing, that is the removal of the curses, not bringing cash or lottery tickets, okay? <laughs> uh, that the promised Messiah is mm-hmm. coming on the scene to fix that which was broken at creation, the mm-hmm. problem the problem that was given, uh, presented to the main character, that is God. Uh, and all of this is accordance with his, his, with his will so that creation would know what he's like. Yeah. A God of compassion and grace and slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth. And without the fall, you wouldn't know any of that about him. Absolutely. Personified in his son. To be lived out by us. And so all of this story relates to us. It's just not about us, if that makes sense. Yeah. And then as you're kind of getting at all these things, it's like, man, I'm just excited for this to continue. And so like the story is, I use the word created as it's progressed, you know, like you just kind of reference some of these stories and then Jesus comes and all those things. Okay. So that's why it's broken up. Okay. I get it. Like my story is still coming as I'm growing. Your story is still coming as, as you're growing. I mean, all of us, right? All these things are happening. So if I'm like, okay, what, well, but stories still have chapters, stories still have this, stories still have that. So we have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, you know, all these things. Um, for a little bit of church history, maybe some background, how did we get to this point? I mean, maybe talk about some of the different councils or like, why do we have these books? Cause there are different, um, I guess Bibles, I use that. Sure. Uh, you know, some yeah. denominations have different yeah. books. So, and- so, yeah. So all of this is going to go back to Moses. Every, so, so we're talking, what we're talking about here, a fancy term is bibliology. How did we get our Bible? Yeah. Uh, in the Old Testament, um, Moses was the preeminent prophet, mm-hmm. right? Um, he was the one who went up on the mountain. He heard the words of God. Um, he writes the first five books. Uh, and, um, uh, and so uh, he also instructs uh, Israel that after him, God will raise up prophets like him. Ultimately, one prophet uh, will show up on the scene, the promised seed of Genesis chapter yeah. 3. Um, but uh, Israel evaluated every prophet to see if their words matched the words of Moses. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so as the story progressed, as the Old Testament uh, progressed, uh, they collected uh, their books, the, these, the writings of the prophets which aligned with Moses. Uh, and uh, they had what we call today the 39 books of the Old Testament. They didn't count them that way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they didn't count First and Second Kings as a different uh, two different books. Uh, they, uh, First and Second Samuel, they counted as one. 
the 12 uh, minor prophets they counted as one. And so uh, yeah. the, the number of books are different uh, in how they counted them, but it's sure. the exact same. The content's the same. Books, right? yeah. Now you get to the New Testament. Jesus walks on the scene, the fulfillment of the Old Testament. He reveals himself to his apostles. Mm-hmm. And so now the same standard uh, uh, not only applies to the apostles, but even to Jesus. Does, G- does, does Jesus' words and works match that which was promised in the Old Testament? Yeah. That's why we know that he is the Christ, because his words and works matched. And uh, that is explained in, uh, in the, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. Uh, and then the apostles, the writing of the apostles, uh, which align with the Old Testament and with the person of Christ, were accepted, realized, uh, uh, and accepted by the church. And so that's how we get our our New Testament books. And that's how uh, at every age or every part throughout the story, as the story progresses, God would raise up uh, prophets in the Old Testament and apostles in the New Testament who would write these things so that we would know. Right? Yeah. Peter says this in Second Peter chapter 3, that any time after his departure, Peter's going to die. And he's concerned that any time after his departure, he wants to make sure that uh, that uh, the the people are reminded to call to their mind the words of the prophets, Old Testament, and the words of the Lord spoken to them by their apostle, by his apostles, yeah. by the apostles. And so, so what we have are the words of the apostles and prophets that uh, tell the story in sixty six books to us. And so that's how we get our Bible. Yeah, absolutely. And it, hearing that, it's like okay, well, it's easy to see. There's part one and there's part two. What? Not necessarily. Oh, the, there's a God of the Old Testament, God of the New Testament. No, it's the same God, same thing. I mean, parts of the story, you know, different, whatever, but big story is still the same. Uh, so wrapping up a little bit, like bring the story together for us, like wrap up this concept. Like, well, why do I think of it like a story then? Or why should I think of it like a story? Oh. Yes. So, so the God is creating man. In chapter one, God creates man, Ha-Adam, Male and female, he created them. So when we, uh, we'll, and we'll talk about this as we get into Genesis, but, but when God creates man, he creates them male and female. And they were to be image bearers. That is, they were to be like God. Now, um, we need to, to, to explain that a little bit. That, that doesn't mean that man was to be omniscient or omnipotent or omnipresent or any of those things. Uh, but he was to value what God values, care about what God cares about. He was to have emulate the character of God. And when we ask, what is God like? Moses asked this in Exodus 34, and God's character is revealed. He's compassionate and gracious and slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth. And so uh, if there were no fall, there would be no need for mercy Hmm. or compassion. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't know how slow to anger the Lord is. Read the history of Israel. He's pretty slow to anger. <laughs> yes. He's very yes. slow to anger. Now, d- does that help us? Sure it does. Um, is he slow to anger with you? Yes. How much stupidity can he tolerate? Apparently quite a bit. Quite a bit. <laughs> and I'm thankful for that. <laughs> and if he's patient towards me, then should I not be patient towards others? Absolutely. Uh, if he's merciful towards me, should I be, not be merciful towards others? Mm-hmm. If he's shown loyal love towards me, should I not show that towards others? Uh, and so this is the, the character of God revealed. And this is why the story has to go down this trail. 
right? So God is in the process of making image bearers. Mm -hmm. And so believers are learning about his compassion and grace and slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth. And I'll just uh, finish with this, uh, that we can say the the God is compassionate. He is gracious. He's slow to anger. Or I can say my wife is beautiful. And you go, oh, mine is too. I wonder if we're married to the same woman. No, no, no. My wife is merciful. You go, oh, mine is too. Let me tell you a story. Mm Mm-hmm. And as I tell you the story about how my wife has forgiven me or, or you know, I did something really stupid, and you go, oh, yeah, she is. She is really compassionate. Man, she's really. See, yeah. it's through the story mm. that these words take on the me- the full significance of how gracious, how yeah. slow to anger, how about abounding in loving kindness. And you just sit back and say, whoa, this is this God is is amazing God and his, yeah. his character, his compassion. And it's personified in the person of Christ. And now if we've been given that mercy and we don't give it, what does that say about us? Absolutely. And so this is how the story develops. And so this is how, uh, how we get application from the story, right? At every point throughout the story, uh, God is not changing. His character doesn't change. His mercy doesn't change. And now we are in the story and we experience that same mercy that's been revealed. Yeah. And it, those stories inform us on who he is and on who we are to be and how to respond to it. Yeah. Particularly in relation to the person of Christ. Yeah, absolutely. And so this is where we're headed as we talk about the story. Yeah. And I think that's going to be a great concept, a great idea, a great belief for people to jump on board with. And maybe listening like, well, this is different. This is very challenging. Hang in there. There's more to come. We'll continue to unpack this and, and think of it like that. It's not part A, part B, part one, part two. Like God is God. We're his image bearers. There's one story, which we know is the Holy Bible, scripture, God's word, whatever you want to call it. But the story is the same throughout. God is the same throughout. You know, he even says it in his word, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Absolutely. We have to believe that. So David, thank you for helping us understand the story a little bit more. And like I said, we'll continue to unpack it. I'm excited to to hear what, what you have in store for us and to challenge us as well. Uh, so thanks for joining us. Good. I'm looking forward to more to come. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to Teach Me the Bible podcast. For more information, download our app. If you have any questions or desire to continue our discussion from today's topic, send an email to teachmethebible at championfellowship.org. Remember, Your belief drives your behavior. See you next time.